Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello. How is everybody doing? Welcome back to another great episode of Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I am the host, or the hostess with the mostest, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Now let's give it up for that band. Yeah, oh, they're great. I swear they are. They're the best band I could ever ask for. That is Steel Blimp something that tried to follow after Led Zeppelin. Didn't quite work out, probably because of the name. And you know, they get better every week. They do. I swear they do. (laughs) Hello and welcome back. Hey, this episode, Hair and Makeup Revisited. Going to have a little uh, throwback, flashback, uh, callback to episode 34 from so long ago. We also have number 10 of 20 jokes so terrible they're actually funny. Then over on the B-side, I have a song. Yes, I have a song. And some uh, comments about uh, my process of how I how I kind of do the show. And yes, of course, we're going to have listener feedback because, well, what's a podcast without listener feedback, to be quite honest? It's part of the synergistic relationship that we have here. And then something that was sent my way by a longtime listener that I'm going to share in the not-so-frequently-used section that I call Trans News. So before we get to anything, let's just say welcome new listeners. If this is your first episode that you decided to download and listen to or stream and listen to, or maybe a friend is sharing it with you while they're, you know, sitting in their living room having a beverage of their choice, or maybe you're on a road trip and somebody says, hey, listen to this show. However you're listening for the first time, welcome aboard. Which also leads me to say, welcome back, long-time listeners, binge listeners, sporadic listeners, listeners who listen whenever they can to whatever episode sounds interesting to them. If this is your second or greater episode that you're listening to, welcome back, my friends. Now, before we get into the main topic of today, let's briefly talk about, well, we're going to talk about the last two episodes because, well, that's how my recording schedule kind of went together. So number 94, episode 94, is being trans a trend? Short answer, no. Not at all. It is not a trend. It is just more awareness of the fact or the concept of or the definition of transgender. That's the way I see it. It's kind of like if you see a, uh, a blue slug bug driving down the road, and then all of a sudden, everywhere you look, you see slug bugs everywhere of all shape. Well, not shapes because a bug is a bug, but colors, you know what I mean? Or, or like a Tootsie Roll, like that old commercial. The world looks mighty good to me because Tootsie Rolls are all I see. Whatever it is I think I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. Tootsie Roll, how I want your chocolate chew. Tootsie Roll, I think I'm in. Whatever it is I think I see Becomes a Tootsie Roll to me 
It's because it's in your conscious mind and you're seeing it everywhere. That's why I think some people say being trans is a trend. But please know, I don't think it is. I think it's more along the lines of pride. Being proud of being trans. And the fact that the information is now more readily available for everyone. Also in episode 94, during listener feedback, (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I just had a little brain fart and spaced out on it. I spoke about Jared, and I said I was going to mention his last name because he's a fellow podcaster, and I totally forgot to mention his last name. His last name is Weintraub, my dear friend Jared Weintraub. He does the podcast with friends called Life's a Binge, and I did speak about that one. And he just recently started something he's calling My Day in Five Minutes. So you can find both those podcasts over on iTunes and Stitcher, or just type those into Google, and I'm sure you'll find what you're looking for. And I do also hope you listened all the way through to the very last few beats and moments of episode 94, because I did throw in a very quick song at the end that I found empowering to, well, women in general, but trans women. And if you take it with with some poetic license, it could be a strong phrase for anybody. All right, now let's talk about 95, episode 95, Significant Others of Trans People. I went off on a few tangents for a while there, I realized during the editing process, but I stayed on target most of the time. And I realized (laughs) I totally spaced on the thoughts about a homosexual couple where one of them comes out as trans. You know, like a lesbian couple, two females together, and one of them comes out as a trans male. Well, now that makes them, at least on the outward side, you know, going from a gay-looking couple, a gay couple, to a straight couple, no matter what the individuals in that personal, private relationship define themselves as, outwardly is what I'm speaking about. And the same is true for a uh, gay couple, two men together, and one of them comes out as a trans woman. Well, they were gay, now they're looking like a straight couple. Doesn't, doesn't matter how they define themselves, this is outwardly looking at them. So, in that case, they're in the same boat as what I explained in that episode where a heterosexual couple, a male and a female, and one of them comes out as trans, whether it be the man coming out as trans woman, and now it's going to be what looks like a lesbian couple, depending on how the individuals define themselves. And the same is true if the female comes out as a trans man. They're going from a heterosexual, you know, quote-unquote normal or average-looking couple to a homosexual gay couple. And again, that's outwardly. That's not how they would define themselves or the definitions or words they would choose for themselves. I'm saying from an outside spectator looking in. And I totally forgot to talk about that type of relationship, but it's the same concept of what I did speak about. So my apologies for forgetting those couples, but I want to let you know now I did mean you as well. You go through your own struggles just as a heterosexual male-female couple would when one of those partners comes out as trans. And ultimately what it really boils down to is when a couple gets together, they have ideas and thoughts and dreams about what their relationship will look like through the years, you know, growing old together. And then when someone comes out as trans, it throws a monkey wrench into the works, you might say. And it totally changes that thought process for what the relationship would be, the journey of that relationship later through life. So... Everybody's got that similar but different journey, and I wanted to make sure I touched on it, at least right now in my recap. Also, significant others 
should not be looped into the term SOFA, S-O-F-F-A. Significant others, friends, families, and allies is what that stands for. And I don't think they should be included when it comes to discussion groups or therapy groups. And the reason being, significant others have completely different challenges and problems, quote-unquote, or issues, or dilemmas, or struggles, or whatever you want to put on it, whatever label, whatever word it is, significant others have a totally different starting and ending point than friends, family, and allies. Why? Because they are a significant other. They are close to that individual. Usually significant others have an intimate relationship. Friends, family, and allies don't. And that right there is where the big struggle is. And that really goes into what I said in that episode about significant others need more support and resources to go to. And they're not there yet. So significant others out there or partners who have significant others that have been with them through their transition and and are still there, get your voice heard so significant others can get that assistance geared directly to them. Don't loop them into friends, family, and allies. I'm not saying that they're not friends, family, and allies. I'm saying they're different and deserve their own set of resources and help. You can find those episodes and all past episodes over at changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. You can also find it on Stitcher and iTunes, of course. Join us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast. Send me an email, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at CILpodcast. And while you're out cruising the internet, consider cruising on over to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast. Our patron for this episode is all my anonymous patrons. I've got a small handful of those out there and that wish to remain anonymous. And I want to say to you, thank you so very much for your continued support. All right. I think we got enough of this housekeeping stuff out of the way. Let's get into the main topic. main topic hair and makeup revisited as i mentioned a moment ago it's a throwback to episode 34 from so many moons ago and during that episode i just kind of went through my regime my process for you know bathing and prepping and all that stuff and uh when i threw out a uh, hey folks what do you want me to talk about sort of post on my own private facebook one of the requests i got back was how can someone on a limited income do the things that need to be done. Because let's face it, I'll, I'll lump it into one word, beauty products, quote-unquote, and I mean sh- sh- uh, shaving cream, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, all those things, razors, all those things that we need, we as people, specifically trans women, need to be able to do what we need to do in the bathroom, shower and bathroom, can get pricey because we go through a little more of it than probably the... The average, quote-unquote average, woman. And, I, and when I say woman, I'm looping in cis and trans because, especially in the beginning of transition, hair is a little more predominant and coarse and stands out a little more, just as an example. Trans women, and cis women, of course, but trans women may need a little extra makeup to help 
disguise some of the imperfections that we have because we went through secondary stage puberty as a boy. So it can get pricey. So that was the, re- that was the real question. Uh, but so to catch everybody up, back during episode 34, as I said, I went through a shower process and a grooming routine, and it was meant to be a guide. It's not the end-all, be-all answer for everyone. It's just that's what works for me. And so I'll give you a little recap. I usually start with plucking my eyebrows and any other unwanted facial hair. And then I get into the shower, and I wash and rinse and condition my hair. I leave the conditioner in till the very end of the shower. It's the last thing that I rinse out, just so the hair is nice and you know, processed with the conditioner and moisturized and all the good stuff that the conditioner does. Uh, then I do a body wash with a moisturizing body wash and one of those, you know, 99-cent loofah, plastic loofah things from the store. You know, and you can find, usually find those on sale at a lot of different places, 99-cent stores or places like uh, Rite Aid or... Uh, CVS usually have sales and things. So you just keep an eye out and, and you want to replace those about every six months anyway, three to six months, I should say, depending on how they last and how the quality is, blah, 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 blah. You'll, you'll know when you need to replace it, but you can usually find those the least expensive ones for about a dollar or less. So I do the body wash and rinse that off. And then on my face, Upper chest and armpits, I use an exfoliating scrub just to help condition the skin for a nice clean shave. And then I shave, and I shave my face usually, and then my upper chest and pits. And then at that point, I will switch razors and then shave whatever other parts of my body I want shaved. Legs, arms, uh, tummy, if that's the case, if there's going to be some sort of shirt or if it's going to be showing in some dress or something like that. It all depends on what's going to be shown at that point in time. I am grateful I don't have any uh, unruly back hair because if that was the case, I would definitely need to figure out a way to shave it or ask for help in shaving it. So I gla- I'm glad I'm not like that, and I know there are a lot of people out there. So if that's your thing, maybe find a friend to help or... I do know they sell you know, razors with long handles meant exactly for that sort of process. Uh, I've never used one, so I can't comment on it. If there's anybody out there that has used one of those things, get back to me and I'll share it with the world and let them know how it works for you. I mean, we're working together here, right? Right. Uh, so then once I'm done with all the shaving that I need to do, oh, and as a comment on shaving... Technically, you want to replace your blades about once a month, sometimes sooner, sometimes later. It depends on the quality of the razor you use. depends on the quality of the shaving cream you use. depends on the hardness or the softness of your water. It depends on if you've dropped the razor a time or two, and maybe there's a, you know, a microscopic nick in the side of the blade that you can't see with your eyes, but you can most definitely feel when it runs across your skin. You know, it's these things that you got to, you know, check up on and maintenance on. Now, the less expensive razors are going to last a lot less time than the more expensive razors by nature, by design. That's part of it. But I understand sometimes it's a lot more effective financially to purchase a package of 10 very inexpensive blades than it is to spend, you know, $10 on two really expensive blades. I understand that. I understand that. But remember, it is your skin in the end that's going to suffer. So, you know, take a look at your pocketbook. Take a look at your skin. Take a look at whatever moisturizers and shave gels you use and try your best to fit it into your budget. 
just realizing that the less expensive items probably won't last as long as the ones that cost a little bit more. Okay, so now we've shaved everything, we've rinsed everything off, and now we're getting out of the shower. So now pat your body dry. Don't rub. Rubbing causes abrasions and friction and things, and that can irritate the skin, especially after a shave. So you want to try to pat pat the skin dry. And then within a matter of a couple minutes, you want to make sure you use a moisturizing lotion, something that suits your budget, something that suits your individual needs. Some people need something with a little more vitamin E or aloe or something like that. Some people have oily skin. Some people have dry skin. It all depends on what matters for you personally. But within two to five minutes for sure, while you're still in that steamy shower room area, don't leave the area where the shower is. Some people have the sink combined. Some people have the sink in a separate area. Whatever the room is where that steam is and heat from the shower is still there, that's the room you want to moisturize your entire body on. And I do mean the entire body. At minimum, the areas that you've shaved. Because in shaving, you're removing moisture from the skin. You're removing a layer of of, uh, skin cells. And so you're taking all that protective moisture and oil that is natural from your body away. And that's what the lotion is there for. It helps replenish that. It helps uh, relieve any razor burn or anything that's there. So you make sure you you moisturize after shaving. Even if you're shaving at the sink on your face moisturize is the key now some people use a moisturizing shave gel or shave lotion or something those are wonderful those are great i use those too but i still use lotion to moisturize the skin afterwards so get to know your body get to know what works well and use what works for you now as an alternative to a shave gel since we're talking about that uh you can use coconut oil or olive oil, or something like that. But realize, on the less expensive razor blades, it's going to destroy them, I should say, just bluntly, okay? Those blades are not meant for that high level of oil, or uh, moisturizer, or lubricating, or anything like that. More builds up on that. Oh, baby oil is another uh, uh, solution you could use as well. But again, realize that the, least, the less expensive blades are going to not last as long as a more expensive blade. Also, if you decide to use any of the oils I mentioned, baby oil, coconut oil, olive oil, make sure you rinse the razor very, very well after each stroke. So you stroke against your skin, wherever the hair is, rinse it off. And then visually take a look at the razor to make sure that the buildup of oils that you're using and skin cells and hair and all that stuff is removed from the blades before bringing the blade back to your skin and going over it again. Okay? And that's just trial and error on my part. I've been doing that for years, trying to figure out the best thing that works for me. And when I have used baby oil or coconut oil, I haven't tried olive oil, but when I've used baby oil or coconut oil, Rinsing the blade after every stroke, after every shave stroke, is very, very important. Sometimes, if it's a short stroke, you might be able to get away with two before rinsing it off. But as a rule of thumb, rinse it off after every single one. Okay, so now we're, we're, we're after, the, after the shower. We've moisturized our bodies. We're dry. Uh, I highly, highly suggest, at least on your face, using 
a uh, moisturizing lotion specifically made for the face, but more importantly, something that has an SPF in it at the bare minimum 15, at the bare minimum 15 SPF. Preferably use something closer to 30 or greater because we only get one set of skin, okay? We only have one, you know, skin that is given to us and we got to take care of it. Shaving breaks it down and hurts it. So many other things can damage our skin. You know, not drinking enough water dries out the skin. Being in the sun dries out the skin. So I highly suggest at least on your face, if not the rest of your body, if you're going to be out in the sun. If you're, if you're an indoors type of person and you're not in the sun that often, I wouldn't worry too much about the rest of your body, but always your face. Because, well... Let's face it, the face is part of a first impression that we make on people. It's part of what, re- what people use to recognize us as. So we want to keep it as good-looking as possible for as long as possible. And a sunscreen on the face every day, moisturizing lotion with an SPF every day, helps. And there are, you know, name brands with that. And there are knockoff brands made by whatever, you know, drugstore you go to. And I've used both. Both are great, but go for the one that's easier on your pocketbook. That's all I can say about that. Uh, Also, figure out your morning and nighttime facial care regime. You want to wash it. You want to use some sort of cleanser that's going to clear your skin, clear your pores. Uh, Everybody's got different skin types, so make sure you find something that works for you. Try not to use just your generic soap. Don't use hand soap. Don't use any generic soap. Try to get soap that's specifically made for skin, specifically facial skin. In the long run, your body and face will thank me for it. Um, And like I said, in the morning, use an SPF lotion after washing. You always want to moisturize after washing because you're removing oils and things like that from your face. So make sure you put moisturizer back on during the day, something with SPF. At night, you could use what they call a night cream, and that's just something a little heavier, a little heavier moisturizer. Sometimes it's a little too oily for certain skin types, and that can lead to, you know, blemishes, pimples, and things like that. So that's a trial and error. Know your skin. (laughs) Doing this trial and error process of what works and what doesn't is how you'll learn your body, learn your skin. Um, For me, I use... Uh, Only under my eyes do I use a little nighttime heavier moisturizer compound thing, okay? And I use whatever's on sale at the time, the generic brand for whatever uh, drugstore I'm at at the time. But I only use it under my eyes where there's, you know, those laugh wrinkles and things like that. On occasion, I might use it around the, uh, the, the smile folds, the nasal folds that go around the side of the mouths that come down from the edge of the nose, Uh, Sometimes I'll use it there. Sometimes I'll use it on on my neck, but not every night. Every night is usually something under the eyes, but not the rest of the face. The rest of the face is just a normal facial moisturizer. I don't need to worry about SPF at night because, well, the sun's not out and I'm sleeping. So kind of makes sense. But in this trial and error process, you'll know, you'll begin to learn to know what works for your body. Now... Here's the thing that happens. Some people will go to the store and they'll spend, you know, five to ten dollars for this this cream that I'm talking about, you know, whatever it is. They get it home, they use it for a couple days, and they realize this doesn't work for me. And they still have three quarters or more of this stuff left. And now they're like, oh my God, I just wasted money. 
Well, there's a lot of things you can do. Check with your LGBT center, see if they'll accept donations of open things like that. Some do, some don't. Maybe you belong to a group on Facebook where you can say, hey, everybody, I have this and it doesn't work for me. Does anybody want it? And maybe you get some money back. Maybe you don't. But giving it to somebody to try is a lot better than just tossing it out, in my opinion. But if you save the receipt, most drugstores within a seven-day period will accept an exchange. If you go in and say, hey, I bought this seven days ago. I've tried it for a few days, and it is not working the way I want it to work. Most drugstores will let you exchange it most, especially if you just explain your situation. Look, hey, I bought this. I tried it. It doesn't work. Can I exchange it for something that does? And then they'll let you pay the difference or give you store credit or however they need to work it out for their systems. But most of the time, their number one thing is customer satisfaction. And customer satisfaction is going to allow them to take something that's open that they cannot resell and let you get something that will work for you. Also, while I'm on this story of this concept of, you know, local drugstores and things, there are places, well, almost every place now that you buy stuff at has a frequent buyer card. I highly, highly suggest signing up for that. I know some people don't want to give out their email. I know some people don't want to give out their phone number. I know some people don't want their purchases tracked by the government and all that stuff. I get that. I do. However, aside from those things, you know, tracking what you purchase and when, it helps in getting you a greater discount. For example, over the last two decade or so, I have frequented both Rite Aid and CVS. And I know they're all over the country here in America. I'm sure there's similar ones around the world, but I've used both. And most is due to location of where I'm at. You know, one's close to home, one's a little further away, one offers something, the other one doesn't, et cetera, et cetera. But I signed up for their, you know, frequent buyer programs. You know, you scan the card or enter your phone number and you, you know, you tell them what it is, blah, blah, blah. Well, because I've been doing that consistently with both stores for close to a decade, if not longer, I have some nice discounts that come to me basically automatically when I scan my phone number or scan the card or whatever it is. And that is why I suggest signing up for those. In the beginning, you may not see the discount, but the more you purchase, the more you get, the greater your discount becomes. So take that into consideration, saving a couple bucks here and there because you've spent so much in the past really helps out. Now, remember, everything I just went through is what works for me, okay? And this, that was just the prep stuff. We're not, we haven't gotten to makeup yet. This is what works for me. You need to find your own regime. I can't say that enough. Now, where do you buy these things? Well, like I said, the frequent buyer program at those stores is good. You know, check it out, look into it, see if it works for you. Also, 99 cent stores or dollar stores or discount stores like that, you know, some of the some of the bigger stores like Walmart or Target or things like that will also have, you know, sales and I don't want to say low end things, but less expensive things, you know, knockoff brands, their own brands of some of the high end brands. And you can save money just by shopping, just by purchasing their version of something versus the name brand of something. Okay, I think most people know that, but that's where a lot of it's going to be. And sometimes it is a perfect comparison from the from the name brand to the knockoff. Sometimes it isn't. Like I said, 
If you explain your situation, you come in with a receipt, you say, hey, I tried it and it didn't work, most of the time they're going to let you exchange something. Um, also, when you're comparing you know, name brand to knockoff brand, check the labels side by side. Make sure that they are exact or pretty damn close because they'll say, you know, compare to such and such. Well, you do that. You pick it up in the store and compare it yourself just to make sure. Um, shaving lotion is probably one of the more important things that I, I mean, I'll always go for cheaper razors, less expensive razors. It's the shave gel, shave lotion where I try to spend better money on, because again, that helps moisturize your skin, keep it soft and, you know, supple and, and all that and helps to not dry it out. And as I mentioned a moment ago, olive oil, coconut oil, baby oil, those are all good, but they can take the toll on the razor. So it's a sacrifice, you know, you find out what works for you. Also, another way to save money is to not do it every day. And it's also good for your skin to give it a rest as well. Um, I've noticed years and years ago in my mid-20s when I really started to have to shave every day to, 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 for business and for work and things like that, I noticed that I got a better shave if I waited a day. So let's say I shave on a Monday, don't shave on a Tuesday, shave on a Wednesday. Wednesday's shave is a nice close shave and will last me till Friday versus shaving every day. And I noticed my skin felt a little healthier and it's just something to take into consideration for your personal circumstances. Sometimes you have to shave every day. I know people that shave in the morning and then at three o'clock in the afternoon they have to shave again if they want a nice close shave. I get it. I'm not like that. So that's why I say if you can wait a day, wait a day. Also, even with the cheapest of razors, do your best to take care of them. If they come with a little, uh, little uh, cover, make sure you put the cover on after you're done. Try not to drop them. Dropping, even if you can't see the damage, dropping can hurt the blade. It can shift the blade slightly. It can nick the blade, something that you can't see when you look at it, but you'll feel it on your skin, like I mentioned a moment ago. Rinse them off after every stroke, as I said, that really helps save them as well. If not every one, then every other one. It just depends on, you, you'll get the routine down. You'll understand. Try it a few times. So that's what I can say about prep work as far as, you know, getting your body ready to do the next step, which would be makeup. Now, the first thing I want to say about makeup is never share your makeup, okay? Just think about that for a moment. You've got stuff that touches your skin, your face. You know, if you have, a, if you have any sort of blemishes or, uh, you know, an open acne thing, and a pimple or something, even though it may not look like it, there's bacteria there. There's, there's stuff that is coming off of your body, coming off of your skin that you don't want to share with somebody and you don't want them sharing with you. So never share your makeup. Also, stuff touches your eyes, touches your lips. Uh, I mean, there are so many places where, you know, you can where your makeup touches that you don't want other people touching. Uh, also, if you do have any blemishes, like a pimple or something, try not to use any makeup and let it heal naturally. Use what you need to use to, you know, treat it, whatever it may be. Everybody's got a different thing. Some people use OxyClean, not OxyClean, that's for laundry. Um, some people use Oxy. Uh, some people use Noxema. There's so many regimes. I'm sure by now you've figured that one out. Uh, if not, there's just your basic soap and water. It's just... 
it's hard to say with pimples because so many people get them for so many different reasons. Um, the reason you don't want to put makeup on it is because you, you'll, every time you use makeup, you're going to keep bringing that back, that bacteria back to the skin. So one, it's going to take longer to heal. Two, you may actually make yourself develop blemishes in other areas because you're spreading that bacteria all over your face. So if you can avoid it, try not to use any makeup. If you have to use makeup to cover up any blemishes, put the makeup on your finger and then put it on your face. Don't use whatever little applique thing that comes with it. Use your finger. Then once you're done with the pimpled area or areas, wash your hands to get that bacteria off. And then again, anytime you come across the, you know, the, the, the affected area, the pimple, the acne, whatever, try to use your fingers for the powder or the cover or whatever so it doesn't cross-contaminate your brushes or your applique points or anything like that. Um, also, don't, you don't let your friends use it because you're going to spread that stuff to them and they're going to spread that stuff to you. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Uh, also, when you're out shopping for makeup, uh, the first and hardest thing is matching a color. Very difficult to match color. Uh, one time I got the wrong color of, of, of uh, compressed powder foundation. And I used it, I don't know, two times with receipt, brought it back to the store. They allowed me to change it because I said, this doesn't fit my skin tone. Again, customer satisfaction. So keep the receipts. Also, the less expensive products or the cheaper products are not as kind to your skin and pores. There's a greater chance that you're going to break out with acne or anything else like that when you use the low-end quality products like if you go to let's just say a 99 cent store or something and you get a 99 cent knockoff version of some compressed powder and you only spend a dollar for it it's probably not going to be as good or last as long as something that is a name brand that's going to cost maybe six dollars maybe ten dollars depending on where you get it if there's any discounts happening if you have any of those club credits and things like that or if there's a sale which leads me to keep an eye out for sales. A lot of the time, these places offer, these stores offer buy one, get one, buy one, get one and half off. Try to take advantage of those, especially if you know it's something you're going to use, like the moisturizing face lotion with an SPF of 30. If that's on sale, buy it. Buy it, buy it. If you know you're going to need it and it's on sale, buy it. You'll find some place to store it at home, I promise. Oh, I don't have a cabinet space. You'll find a spot, trust me, to save, you know, buy one, get one. Hey, that is a fantastic deal. You'll find a place to store that extra one. I guarantee it. Also about makeup, once you're done with your cleansing regime, you know, the shower and the shave and all that, I I did say this, use a moisturizing SPF lotion on your face. Well, Even if you're listening to me and thinking, I don't need lotion on my face, I'm going to put makeup on. And the makeup has SPF, which is a good thing. That's a little higher-end quality makeup that has a built-in SPF. I've seen that out there. No matter what, always put some sort of lotion on your skin. What it does is it creates a barrier between your skin and the makeup. And it helps keep your skin healthy. It helps, it helps removal of the makeup a lot easier because there is that 
that foundation of lotion there. For anybody that's done any sort of painting, and I mean house painting or, you know, not like artistic, you know, canvas painting or, or you know, something like that. Well, even with that, you have to put down some sort of primer. You have to put something down on the wall or the surface to seal it and make it a uniform color so whatever else you put on it, the next thing you put on it, is uniformed and matches all across the board. Huh, no pun intended there. Well, that's the same thing with having lotion on your face. Okay, so now we've got lotion on the face. Next thing you're going to use is a... Uh, uh, like a cover-up to cover up the blemishes, something something like that. There's so many out there. You're going to have to experiment and figure out what you want to use. I use uh, something either between L'Oreal and CoverGirl, and it's it's just one of those, you know, 24-hour cover makeup things, and it lasts, it's a little dab, lasts a long time. So that's me. That's me personally. But now you got your cover-up. You've covered up all your blemishes. Now you're going to put your foundation on. And I prefer to use something like uh, CoverGirl's Pressed Powder or any of the other brand names out there. And I choose to have a brand name for this because it is the quality that I'm going for. And so it comes in a little pressed uh, compact thing. It's got a mirror there. It's got a little uh, uh, powder puff applique, but I don't use that. I use just a larger brush, which leads me to get a makeup brush kit. I think I found one at Rite Aid for 10 bucks, and it had a, uh, a, they call it a blush brush, but I use that for the pressed powder. They had three different sizes of eyeshadow brushes to use for three different types of appliques, and they had an eyelash brush and a smaller brush, a smaller, larger brush, kind of just slightly smaller than what they call the, the blush brush. And for me, I use the larger brush for the pressed powder and the smaller brush for cheek rouge and cheek colors and things, which I'll get to in a moment. Now, when I say use the pressed powder all over, I mean all over, down onto your neck. If you start walking around and looking at ladies' faces, uh, especially with younger girls who are still figuring out what they want to do with their makeup style, you'll begin to notice that a lot of women stop their foundation, their powder, at the jawline. And so just underneath their jaw, there is that line of skin that is not covered in makeup, and then that line of makeup where it is covered. So make sure you, you bring it all the way down to your neck and then fade it into your chest line, depending on how your, your top is going to show. Uh, basically, if it's going to show, you want to have makeup on it. And just pressed powder. Not any heavy other colors or things like that, but just pressed powder. So from your forehead, all the way down to your chin, all across your cheeks, including your eyes and eyelids, all the way to where your ear meets your skin, all the way down to where your collar from your shirt or blouse or top or whatever sits. And depending on how you're wearing it, it's, you know, a strapless dress or a, you know, a dress with straps and things like that, you want to fade it into your natural skin tone. That's the key is you want to blend it into the regular skin tone from where your, you know, makeup skin tone is on your face so it blends and looks like one fluid color all the way from your top of your head all the way down to basically where your neck ends so 
keep an eye on that in the mirror. Make sure you blend it all the way down. Now, once the foundation powder is there, I personally, at that point, start doing my eyeshadow. And there are so many options for eyeshadow. Go to YouTube, check it out. There are so many tutorials for so many different styles of eyeshadow. You know, different looks, different colors, you know, something natural, something extreme, something, you know, exotic, something uh, erotic, something simple. You know, there are so many options out there and so many different color schemes that the only way you're going to find out is one, watching other videos and, you know, watching other women, and two, practicing yourself. Practice, 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 practice is the biggest key with this. So for me, I like to use a, because uh, purple's my color, I like to use kind of a, a trio of purples, and it's kind of a, it's kind of got a purplish hue for all three colors. One has a little more white to it, one has a little more, oh, I guess, red to it. It's not red, it's still purple, but it's got a little hue to it. And then following the instructions on the eye color, the eyeshadow package, I place it at the different points of the, of the eye, on the eyelid and the brow. So I start with the eyelid, and I usually use the medium color there. Then at the top where the brow line, you know, just underneath where the brow is, I use the lightest color to accent the brow bone. And then in between the two, just in between the two, is where I use the darker color. And that's me personally. That's just me, and, I, and I'm still exploring and still experimenting with things. But this is the one that I, I, hit, you know, I found and I like, and it's easy enough for me to do repeatedly. So that's me. For you, find a color scheme and practice. Practice, practice, practice. That's the key. It's, it's just like uh, any sort of art form. You know, remember way back in the day when you were a child and you tried to draw a circle and the circle was not quite a circle. Maybe it was an oval. Maybe it was a, you know, an awkward looking square, <laughs> but you called it a circle. Well, as you got older, your circle started looking better and better and better. And they may not be perfect, but they're better than they were before. And the same is true for makeup. The more you practice, the more you do it, the more frequently you do it, the better you will be. And again, the same thing is true for quality of colors and cost and all that. The more expensive name brands are going to be a little better to work with, a little easier to work with than some of the stuff that's, you know, really, really inexpensive. But practice with the inexpensive stuff so, you're, so your wallet doesn't go dry. And I'll tell you this, if you get good with the inexpensive stuff, the more expensive stuff, the stuff that's a little more high-end, a little more name-brand, is actually going to be easier to work with. So, once we've got the eyeshadow done, at that point I usually do my brows, and it's just a simple brow pencil, uh, and it depends on what color my hair is. I like to have a hair color with a little more reddish uh, quality to it, so I use an eyebrow pencil with a little more reddish hue to it, so the hair matches, and it looks a little more natural okay and again with eyebrows look at youtube and follow some insta instructions there uh rule of thumb is to take your eyebrow pencil place it against the side of your nose so it runs up against the corner of your eye and where the end of that pencil reaches your eyebrow that's where your eyebrow should start you shouldn't have it any further in or further out then leaving it against the edge of your nose moving it across to the outside corner of your eye. And again, where the end of the eyebrow pencil lays, that's where your eyebrow should end. 
And then lastly, you want to lay it across uh, from the corner of your nose, lay it across the center of your eye, and where the, uh, the end of the eyebrow pencil lands on your brow at that point is where your arch should be. Again, check out YouTube so you can see visuals of what I'm talking about, but that's going to be the easiest way to make sure your brows look consistent. Gives you an idea of where to, to pluck, and it gives you an awesome idea of exactly where to put the eyebrow pencil. Now, in applying the eyebrow pencil, the sharper it is, the better, which leads me to pencil sharpeners. Uh, yes, you can get a very inexpensive one, and it's not going to work. I have tried so many different versions of 99 cent, $1.99, $2.99 pencil sharpeners, eyebrow pencil, makeup pencil sharpeners, and I have to tell you, none of them work. I finally broke down and got one that cost $10. It's a metal one, and that is the best I have ever gotten. So for that, don't skimp. Don't skimp. Spend money on, an, on a pencil sharpener, a makeup pencil sharpener. It, it'll, it'll make your job a lot easier later. So the sharper the eyebrow pencil, the better. I like to start from the inside, you know, right above my nose, in the inside corner of my eyes, and slowly work outward. And now... The thing to think about as you're applying an eyebrow pencil, and this is me, there are other tutorials and other you know, schools of thought, but for me, using short, quick, light strokes, you're trying to replicate or draw on what looks like hair. So it looks like hair is actually growing out and filling in all the spaces and coloring the hair that's already there. And you do that along the brow, just as I explained a moment ago, following the, the pencil line test that I, that I described, and fill it in there. Now, less is more. Trust me, less is more. So once you've gotten a little bit all along the brow, you know, a few in the beginning, a few in the middle, a few a little more, and then, you know, one or two at the end, that's when you're going to take a eyebrow brush or a lash brush or something like that, or even, even a small toothbrush like a child's toothbrush or if you have if you don't you have a child's toothbrush or don't want to spend the money on one using a uh, pair of scissors or even tweezers remove the unwanted bristles from a larger toothbrush you know and i suggest a new toothbrush because older toothbrushes usually the hair the the brush part is bent and you know used <laughs> no matter how well you clean it it's used and you want straight firm bristles so i suggest going and getting even a 99 cent child's toothbrush if you don't want to get a 99 cent eyebrow brush and that choice is yours and making it as thin as possible because toothbrushes are wide and you want just a thin brush. So you remove, you know, what's on the outside. And at that point, you're going to brush with the same type of uh, stroke that you used with your eyebrow pencil in the sense of creating hair follicles, hair, what looks like hair using the brush, using the eyebrow pencil. You're going to do the same thing with the brush. And you're going to go from the inside out, gently, gently, not to rub it, but to just kind of... Smooth out your eyebrow, get your, the eyebrow hairs going in the same direction, following the same course, and also smoothing out whatever color you used with the eyebrow pencil. And, and after you're done, if you feel that it's not dark enough or is missing something, go back with the, with the eyebrow pencil and do it again, and then follow up with the eyebrow brush again. And then, of course, repeat on the other side. And again, this takes practice practice and practice. 
So now that we've got the eyeshadow and the eyebrows, now it's time for eyeliner. Now eyeliner is something that is a hit or is take it or leave it for me. It really depends on what I'm doing, what I'm dressed as, where I'm going, how I'm feeling, what kind of eye color shadow I'm using. I mean, it really, really depends. Um, usually for like a, a light daytime look, I'll use a off color or a light color purple for an eyeliner, but I'll only outline the bottom lid on the outside corner just to give a little bit more something to the eye. But on the other side of the coin, on a Friday night or a Saturday night or going out time or whatever, then I'll use black eyeliner and I'll go under uh, lower lid and upper lid. Uh, I still haven't gotten the hang of liquid eyeliner, so I cannot comment on that. Again, I use just, you know, an, eye, an eyeliner pencil. And the inexpensive ones, I find, uh, work a little harder because they don't hold a point. They don't sharpen very well versus the more expensive ones. Well, I don't use eyeliner a lot, so I use a more expensive one. Uh, because it holds the it holds the the sharpness of the point and allows me to get right where I need it to be on the lid with a little bit of finagling of pulling my eyelid out and straightening it out. And again, check YouTube for many different options as far as how to apply eyeliner. Now, some people say go from the inside corner out. Some people say go from the outside corner in. Some people say both and meet in the middle. I find it as a personal preference. It's whatever works personally for you. And I will say this, eyeliner for me is probably the one thing that gets me every time. It's something that I even I still need more practice with. And, and, and I don't use it all the time. It, it's, not, it's not the 80s where you need eyeliner all the time. It's not the early 90s where everybody's got this big, thick black eyeliner on. You know, choose, choose the makeup style for what you're going to do. You know, if you're going out on a Saturday night, yeah, go to the nines. You know, bright colors and bright, thick eyeliner and all that. If you're just looking for an everyday look, most women I know don't use eyeliner as an everyday look. So the choice is yours. But again, practice, practice. So now we've got uh, our foundation. Well, let's go back. We've got our lotion for a foundation. We've got our cover-up to cover any blemishes or dark spots we don't want to a show like tired eyes and things like that then we've got our powder foundation uh if you choose to use a liquid foundation again blend it all over from the top of your forehead all the way down to your neck and from your you know from your chin line and neck down into your you know to your shoulder clavicle you know collarbone area you want to blend it out a little lighter so your natural skin tone blends into the covered makeup skin tone Again, practice, and we'll look at pictures and look at other people to get an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you're using a liquid foundation, make sure you use a powder, a translucent powder. You don't want to use another colored powder, like a compressed packed powder, on top of a colored liquid foundation, because you're just adding two colors on top of each other, or you know, two colors together, and it may not look right. It'll give you... A certain look that you may not be wanting wanting to look like you know it may give you that really dolled up look now if that's the look you're going for go for it <laughs> but the key i want to make here is when you use a liquid foundation you have to use a powder to what's called set it because uh the, the liquid is going to be there and it's going to dry out yeah and it's not going to it's not going to you know rub off 
but the powder helps dry it out and set it so you don't have that oily, you know, glossy look that you, that sometimes you get when you use makeup. It just it just happens. Our body sweats, our you know, our natural skin does its thing to protect our body, and sometimes we look shiny. And what do you do to get rid of the shininess? A little bit of powder. Which is why I prefer to use a pressed powder compact because I can take that with me and if I get a, you know, get a blemish or a shiny nose or a cheek or wherever, forehead, chin, uh, nose, I can take it in the bathroom, take it out, you know, hit those spots and I'm done. With a liquid, if you get those spots, you got to use a powder as well, but you have to use something called a translucent powder or a fair colored powder. Uh, again, watch YouTube for so many different options out there. Talk to somebody that knows makeup. If you, The best thing you can do is get the money, spend the money, and go to one of those makeup counters in one of those stores, you know, JCPenney, Sears, etc., and talk to those people who do makeup for a living, basically. And that hour or so, make as many notes as you can. Maybe even bring an audio recorder so you can record it. If you're able to do a video <laughs> recording of it, even better. But spend that money to have somebody give you a makeover so you can understand a little bit more about how a professional makeup artist sees your bone structure, sees your face. It'll give you the advantage of years of trial and error and practice. It, it can be pricey because usually you got to buy makeup, you know, to get those things. You don't have to buy all the makeup. Get the ones you like, you know, like some of the higher end things I mentioned, such as eyeliner. Get a higher end one. Um, eyebrow pencil, don't worry so much about it. Eyeshadow, uh, don't worry so much about it. Foundation, maybe, again, depending on what you want to look like and what your wallet says. But getting somebody to do a makeover is probably the best learning experience you can have as long as you approach it as a learning experience and not just somebody that's going to do it for you. Uh, you can probably find other people in the trans community in your area through your LGBT center that would be more than willing and more than happy to, you know, get together on some afternoon or evening and have a little makeup session. Wait, <laughs> a session where you go over and you talk about makeup and you get a makeover. Uh, so now that we've covered all of that, the last thing is, uh, well, last two things, uh, three things, excuse me. Next, after the eyeliner is mascara. Or sometimes I do mascara last. It, it really depends on what's going on and my mood and things at the time. Um, so uh, sometimes it's mascara, as I said, and the mascara is another art form. Um, you do not want to uh, pump the mascara brush into the mascara bottle because when you pump it, I know we've all seen people do it, you're actually pushing air into the mascara and air is the mascara's enemy because air will dry it out, air will cause clumps because clumps are just dried out pieces that are mixed in with the rest of it and it's just overall not good. So try not to pump the mascara. Um, if anything, uh, gently uh, and slowly go in and out to be able to, to, you know, dip the wand, the eyelash wand, into the mascara. And everybody's a little different, but uh, what works for me is you get the mascara on the brush. I like to do the upper lids first, and it's a, a combination movement. Uh, you're going to take the brush close to your eyelid. You're going to close your eyelid about, oh, halfway or almost halfway 
bring the brush to the eyelash. Once the eyelash and the brush meet up with one another, you're going to do a combination move here. Your eyelid is going to close a little, and the brush is going to go up a little. So your the hand that is holding the eye, the mascara brush goes towards the eyelash, makes contact, and then gently moves up. And at the same time that it's moving up, you're closing your eyelid, which will bring the lashes down. So it's a combination move, getting the mascara on the lash. And again, depending on the size of the brush and the type of mascara and, you know, how your hand is and how you're holding it and all those different things out there, you may have to go over the eyelash a couple times. And so I do that for both upper lashes. Usually I give a moment for it to dry if it's one of those types of mascaras. Now the lower lash, the lower lash I always have problems with. There's a couple different options. You can do the same similar motion with the lower lash that you did with the upper lash, except your lash isn't going to move. The brush does all the movement. And what's tough with that is it, as you're bringing the lash brush down, you always risk the chance of the lash brush touching the top of your cheek, giving that wonderful black um, black smudge on the top of your cheek just below your eye. So I don't suggest that unless you have, you know, very steady hands and you've been practicing and practicing a lot. What works for me is I redip the mascara brush into the mascara and then holding it perpendicularly to the lower lash. So just the tip of the brush is meeting the lower lashes. I take that tip of that brush and move it left to right and right to left underneath my or on my lower lash to color it that way. Sometimes I need to take a lash brush to help smooth it out a little. Sometimes I don't. Just depends on the type of mascara and, you know, how steady my hand was at that time. Some how steady my head was at the time, you know. Practice, <laughs> practice, practice, practice. And uh, and mascara is something that is used a little more frequently than almost anything else I find. If I'm just, you know, going to slap on some quick makeup, I mean, no foundation, no eye color, no eye, you know, shadow, nothing. Usually mascara and lips are about the minimum thing that I'll do. And I think I've mentioned that in past episodes. So now that we've got our mascara done, next would be the cheeks. And the cheeks, uh, again, check out YouTube videos because dependent upon what color and where you put it on the cheek means totally different things and gives you totally different looks. Um, you want to find a color that is not t- too outlandish, but you also want to find a color that isn't too neutral, something in the pink realm usually, for, for depending on skin tones and colors. Again, uh, it's just trial and error, and you're going to have to experiment. So you're looking at those types of uh, cheek rouges, cheek colors. And the, the key is to find the apple of the cheek or the cheekbone and apply a little and then a little more until you get your desired results. And then lastly is lips. Now lips, again, I can't say this enough, go check out YouTube because you can do so many different looks with lips and uh, lip liner and lip color that uh, you, you, you can, you know, you have a daytime look and a nighttime look. I mean, you could, there's so many options out there. You could change your look every day and still have more to play with. Uh, but basically, for your for basic lips, and I use usually a neutral to pink tone, you know, slightly reddish tone, burgundy tone, you know, maybe something with a slight purple to it. But when you first look at it, it looks more red or pink than anything else. 
And again, it depends on the look you're going for and, and if you want to draw attention to your lips or not. A uh, little rule of thumb, if your eyeshadow is really bright, use a lower density or lower intensity lip color. And if your eyeshadow is more neutral, use a brighter, like more red uh, lip color. So, you know, so you don't have just eyes and lips staring at you, but one is a little more complementary to the other. And again, practice, practice, practice. Now, lip liner, uh, that's come and gone in different styles and, and looks. It all depends on what you're going for. I only usually use lip liner when I'm using a red colored lipstick because the red lipstick, for whatever reason, kind of bleeds off into the lips and creates that weird, you know, crinkle look around the edge of the lips. So you use a, a red lip liner as close to the lip color that you're using and you outline your lips, and then you use the lipstick inside. Now, to, to apply both lip liner and lipstick, uh, to accent and make sure your cupid's bow, which is that little thing between, you know, at the top center of your upper lip, right beneath your nose, to make that look as prominent as possible, which is, you know, the, the look that most women are going for, you want to start at, because there's two peaks, if you think about it. There's two, two peaks on that cupid's bow. Start on one of them on the outside and go down towards the outside of your lip. And then on that same peak, go inward towards the center of your lip. Repeat on the other side. So now it looks like you have two kind of pointed arrows right where your cupid's bow meets, at least with lip liner. And then, you know, outline the rest of your lips, both the bottom and the top. You want to fill in that space with lip color. You can use a brush. You can use the lipstick itself, as you've seen in so many commercials and television shows and things throughout the ages. For a more precise and accurate uh, applique, I suggest using some sort of brush because you have more control over it. And again, you want to start with the Cupid's bow. You want to go inward and then outward on both sides of that Cupid's bow. Uh, Again, it takes practice. I'm probably not describing it to its fullest capability, but that's the best way to do it. And then you want to, what I do is I blot the lip color with a, you know, napkin or paper towel or toilet paper or whatever you have available. And then gently, gently and oh so carefully apply just a smidge more of the color, the red color in this case of my example, to finish it off. Because the blotting helps set it and then the, the rest of the lip color on top gives it that finished look. And there, if you go and watch YouTube, you're going to see that you can use multiple different colors to achieve multiple different looks, multiple, multiple different colors of liner to achieve different looks. There are so many things out there that you have to go and find what looks best for you. And then lastly, the thing to remember is that makeup is like art. You know, the first time you sit down and draw a picture, it may not look that good. But if you sit down and draw that picture again, it'll probably start looking a little better every time you draw it and the same is true with makeup so i guess in closing find what works best for you as far as watching youtube and talking to others practice 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 and take a bunch of pictures so you can see where you started and where you are now i hope that helps and with that let's hear from our sponsor 
When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton, TomSlayton.com. Folks, go check it out. Show him some love. He helps the show, and I love him for it. This week, we're looking at TomSlayton.com forward slash vintage containers. And again, this is one of the pictures on his site, and I was looking around, and I saw the thumbnail and went, oh, what is, what is that? And so I pulled it up. And it's actually two different pictures of what looks like an old shelf with old vintage containers on it. There's motor oil, predominantly motor oil, and a few other things that are a little hard to see. But it is just history on a shelf. I mean, it all all looks like oil, so it's hard to say what what it actually is. But it looks like maybe some sort of... uh, garage shop that has you know had a shelf full of oil and other things in fact there's a band-aid container there as well there's graphite there's something called water locks there's ever ready press stone uh, i mean it's just it, it looks like a vintage car shop or vintage garage that had you know stuff from the 1930s and 40s stuck on their shelf and the, the photo has so much character and so much personality to it and i'll say this one is definitely worth a thousand words the story behind this has got to be incredible so go visit tomslayton.com forward slash vintage containers to check out the picture i'm talking about and while you're out there why don't you follow tom on twitter his handle is twps and he tweets stuff all the time he shows off his photos shows off his writings shows off some of the free themes from his website it's, uh, it is just wonderful to follow and, and see what he shares all the time. So go visit TomSlayton.com and follow him on Twitter at TWPS. Yes, 20 jokes so terrible they're actually funny. I found this on Tickled.com and it was originally published in June of 2015. This week, number 10. Have you ever heard of Deja Moo? Well, it's the feeling that you've heard this bull before. Yes, 20 jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. side this week <laughs> got a couple of things I figured I'd talk about uh, this week 
if you longtime listeners probably have figured this out, uh, at the beginning of every episode, I kind of do an editor's note of uh, previous episodes that have happened. Sometimes I do just the one previous. Sometimes I do a couple. Sometimes I do three. And I'll let you in on a little secret. That's because sometimes I record two episodes or three episodes at a time so I can try to build up my bank and make sure I meet my Friday deadline for all of you wonderful folks. And that's where this editor notes come from. It's usually I write it during my editing process and realize, oh shit, I forgot to mention. Or, oh crap, in my saying whatever, I may have offended somebody. Let me explain what I actually mean by that. So that's why I have my little editor's note at the beginning of every episode, just to kind of recap things. I mean, it's the obvious thing to, hey, do you remember last episode? If you didn't hear it, here's something to check out. So for those listeners that may not have heard the previous episode, there's something to hopefully entice them to go back and listen. But more importantly, it's for people who have heard the episode and realize that, yes, I'm human and I fuck up sometimes. <laughs> so that's why I do that, that recap at the beginning of every episode. Also over on the B-side, a few episodes back, I went through some of the download numbers that I went through. I think it was episode 92, which was wonderful response from you, the listener, so thank you again. But in putting that episode together and hearing the response, I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to share this. In my, you know, space that I use to keep track of all the downloads, I said, let me look at the last three quarters and see what countries are downloading and listening to the show. So, in the last three quarters, which is the last quarter of 2015, and the first and second quarter of 2016, well, predominantly the biggest download counts come from America, and that makes sense to me, because that's where I'm located, and that makes sense is where the podcast would be found. But, the second country that downloads the most is Canada. Canada has been consistent for a long time, followed by the United Kingdom, followed by Australia, followed by Germany then Ireland, and then Israel, France, Brazil, Thailand, Japan, Sweden, Switzerland, the Republic of Serba, Estonia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Denmark, Russian Federation, India, Mexico, Slovak Republic, Italy, and Chile. There's a bunch of others there, but they have very sporadic listens through over the last well year, to be quite honest. But that list I just gave you are the highest downloads in the last three quarters. And to me, when I took a long, hard look at this, I went, holy shit, I'm known internationally. Wow. Holy crap. I mean, even if we just take the top five, you know, okay, USA, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and Germany. Still. Wow. In fact, let's throw in Ireland, because Ireland is right pretty equal with uh, Germany anyway, as far as download count in the last three quarters. And it just boggles my mind that there are so many people out there in the world that are at least, at the very least, downloading the show. I would hope that if you're downloading the show and taking time to download the, you know, what, 30 megabytes, 70 megabytes, whatever it is per episode, I hope that you're listening too. I can only hope that you're listening. And I would assume that, you know, Canada, United Kingdom pretty much are listening. But Australia, Germany, and Ireland at the same time? Holy cow! I am speechless. So, to all those countries out there that are listening, thank you so very much. Thank you. It, it amazes me to know that on basically the other side of the world, Australia, 
that there are regular listeners and have been regular listeners for oh, a year now. So thank you for being there. And the last thing over on the B-side that I want to share is, of course, a song. Now, this is a song from many, many moons ago. It's called Always. It was written by Irving Berlin in 1925, and he originally wrote it as a gift, as a wedding gift to his wife, Ellen McKay, who he married in 1926. And he presented the royalties to her. It's not like he just wrote her a song. He said, here is a song, and here's the money that goes with it. And I'm sure you've heard it before. It's been used so many times, recorded by so many different uh, orchestras and singers throughout the years. I mean, almost, almost now for almost 100 years, considering. 90 years. <laughs> so that's close enough to 100 when you round it up. And it is just amazing how long this song has been around. And only because it has a slight Marx Brother reference to it. In the Marx Brothers play and movie, their first one, Coconuts, it was almost used because Irving Berlin wrote the music for the show. He almost used it in Coconuts, but in the last you know, little bit of you know, figuring out what's going to be used in the show, he decided to cut it. It's also used in Blythe Spirit, which was written by Noel Coward. It's written right into the show. So every time that show gets produced, the Berlin estate gets a little bit of money. So without any further delay, here is the 1926 version of Always. Need 
Listener feedback. Here we go. Listener feedback for this episode. I was just recently written to by uh, a longtime listener, somebody who I haven't heard from since, oh, about six months ago now, Allie R. And she wrote me in the middle of July saying, Hi, Charlie, Sabrina, Allison here, just letting you know that I do listen religiously. My podcast app checks all subscribe shows daily, and once I have a new show from you, usually on Friday, I listen to it at work because I have that flexibility at my job. I do apologize. It's been since December that I have touched base with you when I first came out as a trans woman. Well, here's an update. I'm closer to finding my balance as a trans woman. I applaud you for finding your balance as gender fluid, and at one point, I was questioning myself if maybe I perhaps too am gender fluid, but I never mixed well with men in a social setting ever, nor did I find myself comfortable trying to be a man when Venus has been my gravitation. It was always very awkward because I'm not really sports-driven and I pretty much sucked at sports and wasn't athletic, so I put most of my focus, if not all, into music, and I played guitar and the trumpet from the sixth grade well into high school. I also played guitar in a metal rap band that did small tours in the Northwest Coast from 2004 to 2008 and justified wearing makeup and painting nails like a musician would, but kept the clothes rock garage and metal style rather than the dressing or leggings I wanted to wear. I've always had long hair except for the time that I was in the military. I was a security specialist, which pretty much indicates that I was trying to overcompensate by diving into the alpha male world and that didn't work. Being gravitated to the sisterhood, I'm actually repelled by males. I'm connected with the emotions of the female and have a keen eye for fashion. It's always been easier for me to find clothes I would wear as a woman rather than clothes as a male. Love your show and apologize I haven't given more feedback, but I did rate you on iTunes and the survey. Much regards, Allie R. Then she wrote me again. That was the first email. Then she followed it up about an hour later. Some random thoughts to bounce to you. I own the entire series of MASH on DVD, including the movie. I am a Star Wars fiend. Totally loved your segments on George Carlin and Robin Williams. I used to watch their live specials on HBO in the 80s. I was born in 71, so you're right there in the wheelhouse with me. 
Some of my favorite next Netflix streaming shows are Breaking Bad and Orange is the New Black. I'm starting Transparent. I think some inspirational songs for the trans community when they feel like they're having doubts or swimming upstream all the time. Shake It Off from Taylor Swift and Ice Cube, Do Your Thang. If feeling a little sassy and proud of being trans, explicit, I know it's a culture stretch, but Cube's chorus rings, Do your thang, man, fuck what they looking at. To me, it's my head held high when someone either can't figure it out or doesn't approve. I agree to the concept we should have a secret handshake to identify other trans if we're not sure of one another, perhaps a ring or a necklace or maybe a tattoo. I have long hair and a small frame at 5'6", so I've always been misgendered, especially from behind, even if my hair isn't curled. Anyway, I thought I'd share this with you since you share quite a bit on your show. It's 2 a.m. Saturday morning and my Friday at-home party eyes are getting heavy, so I gotta close for now. I think you could also do a top five segment in your show and I would totally help contribute on that. Maybe get some audience participation involved, too. Top five songs of the summer? Summer movies? Good night, Allie Rose. Well, Allie, thank you so, so very much for your wonderful, wonderful emails. I greatly, greatly appreciate them, as I'm pretty sure you figured out by me reading it on this show here. And I am so proud that in the last six months, you've been able to... reach and find some balance for yourself that's it's been a while since i've spoken about balance but balance is the key for some balance is all the way on the other side of the scale for some balance is right in the middle for some balance means not changing anything ever and just knowing deep within their heart that they are trans or gender queer or gender fluid or diverse or different or whatever it may be, but never really making that big come out statement. Maybe they only come out to themselves and one other person, two other people, but don't take any actions on it because that's the balance for their lives. So I am so glad to hear that in six months you've reached at least for now a point of balance and that's a wonderful thing. Don't worry about not writing me in six months. It's okay. It's okay. You're writing me now. You wrote me then. That's what matters. That's what matters. Life happens. Life gets in the way. Believe me, I know that. So thank you for sharing your story. And I, I, your story rings true with a lot of things, you know, not being able to fit into that alpha male world and then trying to do something to overcompensate for it and, and then failing at it or feeling inadequate or, or falling into a deep depression because you just can't make things work until finally realizing, well, I am trans woman, transgender, gender fluid, gender queer, you know, uh, a blending of the binary, third gender uh, two-spirited. There's so many labels and de- definitions out there to choose from that, that we, can, we have our, our options open to find a definition or a language word or whatever that works for us as we strive to find that balance. And I, I'm so, so honored to know that you re- listen religiously, that you're there every week with me, and, and that I'm there every week with you. And that is, that is wonderful. And I also want to comment that, yes, I, too, have a hard time finding male clothes, but a much easier time finding female clothes. So I understand that completely, totally, completely. Uh, as for uh, a top five countdown, I would love to hear your input. Send it my way, of course. And anybody else listening, send it my way for, you know, top five movies of summer, top five songs of summer. I share the songs that I like. So me putting together a top five thing for songs, at least, 
would be um, probably overkill, especially since I do a lot of song sharing uh, throughout the year. And then I have my big Christmas show at the end of the year. So as far as songs go, you send them to me. I'm going to look into that Ice Cube song you sent to me. I'm I'm not going to be able to include it in this episode, but probably in a future episode, I'll be able to, to throw that in somewhere in the mix. As far as agreeing with me that we need a secret handshake or a ring or a necklace or a tattoo or something, I'm glad people are out there with me because there are times I look at people and it's like, hey, is that another trans sister? Am I able to go up to them and say, hey, we're connected because we're similar. We started as one gender and we're striving to be something different than that. That sort of conversation, that sort of camaraderie together is what I meant by that segment. And I'm so glad you understood that, Allie. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your Pride Festival. I didn't include that into your your email because, you know, I want to keep your information as uh, anonymous as possible. And I understand about those late nights where your brain just goes and goes and you can't turn it off. Believe me, I have that myself at times, many a time. And uh, it, it, it takes its toll after a while. And I find myself needing a lot more sleep than I thought I would. But that's another story. Bottom line, Allie, thank you so much for writing and listening and sharing your story with me and allowing me to share it on my show. It's just wonderful. Thank you so very much. All right. Now, for longtime listeners, uh, and maybe some sporadic listeners out there, you should recognize the music that just played. That is the uh, trans news music that I use, if there's anything in trans related that I'd like to share. And this was sent to me by longtime fan, friend, listener, Becky B. I've mentioned her many, many a times because she's such a sweetheart. Uh, she sent me a, a link on Twitter to a news article from Idaho. And it was really upsetting, very upsetting. I'm sure by now many of you have heard of this uh, story because it's been out there in the news for a while now. But it is just so upsetting. In Idaho, a man who identifies as a trans woman was arrested because they took photos of other women in a Target changing room. And that is just horrible because, well, multiple levels. Number one, taking pictures of others in a changing room. That's just wrong. You, you don't do that. That right there is the number one offense. The craptastic thing is that this person identifies as a trans woman. And that just makes us, trans women, gender diverse, choose your label, you know, the non-heteronormative out there. It just makes us all look bad. Because if that was another woman taking pictures of another woman in the changing room, that would be bad enough. That's horrible enough. But the added twist of this person being a trans woman just makes us all look so bad. And it, it saddens my heart that, you know, one person is going to fuck it up for the rest of us. One person making a stupid choice, making a stupid thought process of, oh, I'll take pictures of women changing. I'm a trans woman. I can do that. No, you can't. You don't take pictures in the changing room unless they're yourself so you can, you know, archive it for yourself or maybe send it out to your social media and say, hey, I'm looking at dress number A and dress number B. Which one do you think looks good? I'm going to buy one of them today. 
That's you taking pictures of yourself. That's different. That's not reaching over the wall, reaching under the wall, sneaking between the door or whatever, and snapping a picture of a stranger who is not aware that you're taking pictures. It's the same thing that if it was in the bathroom as well. You don't do it. You do not do it, period. And that's what bothers me the most. Because of this person being, being an idiot, forget the fact they're trans. Just this person, this individual being an idiot and taking a picture of somebody else in an unwanted area. I haven't followed the story because I have been so upset about it. And by the time this publishes, I'm sure there'll be some sort of resolve to it. But the person was wrong and their trans status has nothing to do with it. But trans people are going to get a bad fucking rap because this idiot who happens to be trans did something stupid. So if you got something to say on this, I'd love to hear it. Send it to me, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com or post it on the Facebook page. Holy cow, we made it. There it is, the end of the show. There's the closing show music. Wow, this is a lot fucking longer than I had anticipated. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for sticking around through the end of this. I'm so glad you're here and have been here. Uh, Next episode, I'm going to call it Growing Older But Not Up. We'll find out more about that next week. As always, I'm looking for people to interview. I'm looking for topics to talk about. If you've got something, just like Allie and other people have sent to me, send it my way, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Also, go check out changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com and click on our Amazon link. Go ahead and click on our Amazon banner link there. Why? When you do, it takes you right to Amazon and you can shop to your heart's delight like you've never shopped before. And pennies on the dollar. Come back to help out the show. No prices change. Nothing changes for you. But at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or whatever it is, I get a little email from Amazon saying, hey, you've got some credits. And that is so wonderful because for what it's done for me right now is it has helped me replace my earbuds for my iPhone, which is wonderful. And I've also been able to purchase an external microphone for my iPhone, which helps make recording, you know, out in the world on my iPhone a little more higher quality. So I'm very ecstatic about that. So thank you so much for everyone that has purchased through the Amazon link. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, We just would go insane. And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So, stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourself. And then take care of somebody else. And I'll see you next week. listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you, so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. 
here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Mr. Cow. Yes? How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me? <laughs> I bite. Mr. Turtle. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Here's the close of the show. And remember...